Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Brenton Ford, and today's guest is Travis Marnie, who's an Australian swim team member. And on the podcast today, we talk about how Trav went from starting swimming at a later age. He only really started as a 15-year-old, and he played a lot of other sports. But as he got older, as he went from 16, 17, 18, he gradually specialized in swimming. And he's now someone who's made the Australian swim team, qualified for the 2014 Commonwealth Games team and the 2012 World Short Course team. And he placed sixth in the 400 IM at the Com Games, and he got seventh at the recent Pan Packs, which were held here in Australia. And he's now training towards the 2016 Olympic team, looking to qualify there in uh, a number of different events. So on today's podcast, we have a look at what he does on a day-to-day basis for training. We look at how he approaches mindset, diet, stretching, rest, how he incorporates all of that into a full training load. And we also go into some detail about what he thinks about with his stroke, how he looks to take the next step in his improvement, uh, and some really good tips there for anyone who's currently training on a regular basis and, uh, and looking for that incremental improvement. Because Trav is someone who, as I said, he didn't specialize in swimming as a younger kid, but he's someone who's stuck at it and he's kept chipping away and he's kept improving and there's still a lot of room for improvement, uh, as you'll find out in this podcast. So listen in, here we are talking about how Trav has continued to improve as someone who didn't necessarily start at a young age. With, with you, I think you're a perfect example of someone who's just stuck at the sport uh, I mean, you're good as good as an age grouper, but um, you get kids who sort of stop at 16 or 17 and 18 and uh, and stop swimming then. But you're someone who's stuck around. You're 25 now, and you've gone on to make the Australian team. And um, what do you see is the difference between you, someone who who sticks at it, and those that just give it away at a, a younger age? Well, um, I think I came to it quite a bit later. I was sort of when I was. 15, I was still playing basketball five times a week, tennis twice a week, and then swim, only swimming three times a week up until I was 15 and a half. So I, I came to the sport quite late, and I think that has helped me in terms of not, you know, not that with it, not losing that motivation. And and um, come to it quite late, I had big improvements at that time, and that sort of just spurred me on. And and um, also come to the sport quite late, I think I've been quite lucky, haven't had many injuries because I've I guess I've grown a little bit more as I've improved and not maybe not as much pressure on my joints. But, um, yeah, I think it's – I don't know. I just have a, a, a determination to, to want to do better and I think that really, really helped me. And, you know, every time I you know, didn't quite make a team or I was really close to making a team, it just made me, you know, more motivated to get back in the pool, work harder and, and make it next time. I think that's that's really what um, has helped me you know, through the longevity and um, sticking in the sport. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, a lot of the, the research is sort of pointing to kids or teenagers, they should be doing a lot of different sports. And then as they start to get into adulthood, then to really start to specialize. And it sounds like that was really the key for you to, to stick around at the sport when you see a lot of kids who are 13, 14 and are doing some really quick times there at the top of their um, top of their field in the state or, or national and 
Um, but then they just drop away because they're either injury or they lose interest. But um, yeah, you decide to specialise a bit later on. I mean, what what made you choose swimming over cricket or footy or the other sports? Um, I, I was never really into cricket or footy. I was more basketball. I remember being like 10 years old and saying, oh, I want to play basketball for Australia and I want to play in the NBA. That was really my passion. And um, basketball, uh, it just sort of, I've, I loved every sport. Like if I had been able to, I was thinking about starting footy at that same age as well, but I was like, I just don't have any time <laughs> to fit it in because I just, I don't know, I love all sport and I think it's good to, you know, I think it helps doing multiple sports. If you're a swimmer, if you're not doing any on land sports, you're not, you might not be the best coordinated athlete and you really do need that coordination for, for swimming. And, um, I chose swimming. I, I, it was really the one I enjoyed the most and as, I sort of dropped – I still played basketball for a little bit, but I dropped the tennis and I started increasing swimming and I saw great improvements in that and then that sort of spurred me. I was just thinking maybe maybe if I stick at it, I could, you know, you know make the most out of the swimming and, and then sort of drop the basketball off the next year completely and, and decide to focus on swimming. But even – you talk about focusing on um, like specialising. I didn't really have a, a best stroke or – best event for years I trained for the backstroke and the medley and the freestyle and did a bit of breaststroke and it ended up that the 400 medley was my best event but I don't think look some kids these days will go you know I want, they're 15 and they're saying oh I'm, I'm not going to be a sprint freestyler and you just don't know physically what you're best suited to when you're 15 because you haven't grown fully and you haven't matured and you know you might be a good 400 freestyler or a 200 backstroker or a 100 backstroker it's um I think just doing everything is, is quite key because if you don't do everything and you might miss your calling in terms of like if you limit yourself to I'm a sprint freestyler or a, I'm a basketball player, um, you might miss out on something that you, you know, are naturally good at and, and um, can improve at. Mm. Yeah, that, we had Peter Marshall on the podcast, one of the first podcasts I did actually, and he, uh, I think he was a distance freestyler when he first started, and then later on in his swimming career, he ended up breaking the world short course fifty backstroke record, and yeah, um, you know, and he was used to doing big long k's in training and and training for these longer events, and then you know, and if he'd just gone to specialise in distance freestyle, it's um. He would he would have missed out on that. So yeah, especially at a younger age, you, you don't want kids to write off doing a certain stroke or, or distance, and they should just uh, play around, do do a lot of different um, distances and events, and uh, and as they grow and develop and get stronger, they'll probably find that they may change strokes and um, yeah, and excel at, at a different different stroke. And I mean, now you've sort of now you've chosen the four hundred IM and the and the backstroke events as your main specialties do you see yourself changing those events well, from here on well probably not but I, i've started training for the tournament freestyle as well because that's another another event that um me and my coach sat down and thought that's, that's another good opportunity similar type of event and and there's opportunities to make the team in that as well because it's a relay and um, i'd love to be able to make a relay and sw- swim as a team but um yeah i mean 200 backstroke 100 backstroke. I did 100 backstroke in America previously. Did a PB again. So, so <laughs> with the, for the 400 medley, I mean, you have to train every stroke. So it's you're going to have some sort of training for any stroke, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, 
it's more towards that medley now. That 200, 400 medley, I would say my real main focuses. And then to help for my 400 medley, I race the 200 backstroke and the 200 freestyle. And the, um, I think Raul, my coach, has looked at me doing a 200 breast or a 200 fly over this next season just for for practice and to help with my 400 medley. I think uh, 400 medley is probably the hardest event. I reckon that and uh, maybe the 1500 freestyle, probably the two hardest events, I, I think, in the pool. The uh, It's just... It, yeah, it's just such hard work. You know, you get to the breaststroke and uh, uses so much energy and you're already tired from the fly in the back. And uh, I think just mentally it takes um, takes a lot of strength to to do a good 400 IM. What what have you seen as the um, – I mean, your best 400 IM, how have you felt during the race? Uh, well, my best one was at, at in the heat of the come-off games and I was, you know, I was understandably quite excited. It was my first long course team and – I just tried to – I remember standing behind the blocks and, and being confident knowing that I'd done the work in the bank to be able to swim the time or the, the effort that I wanted and I was just focusing on my race plan and it didn't hurt. I mean, it hurt. They all hurt. It doesn't matter what stage of the season, how hard you go, how easy you go. They're always going to hurt. But it wasn't that um, sort of paralyzing pain where – it's like you can't think about anything else. It was sort of just focused on the fly and, and working my backstroke because that's my strength and then holding as much as I could in the, in the breaststroke and then just bring it home with everything you feel left in the freestyle essentially. But no doubt it is it is a hard event. And uh, if I could choose, <laughs> I wouldn't choose the 400 medley to be my best event, but it is my <laughs> best event. And so I embrace it and, and do the best I can in it. But, Yes, it's, it's, I've done I've done a fifteen hundred since I was like ten, so I'm sure that hurts a lot. But the, for me, that that, that four hundred medley is is pretty painful. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things you said about uh, I mean, your best four hundred IM not not hurting the most, and I mean, I had a similar experience. My best four hundred IM, I think I was fourteen or fifteen at the time. It was uh, just paced it really well, and then I felt pretty fresh going into the freestyle and could just. Uh, really pick up the pace and build it, build that last hundred of freestyle and yeah at the end very very tired exhausted but uh, it wasn't hurting the whole way through whereas some other races it's really hurt halfway through the backstroke so sometimes your fastest races feel the easiest or feel the most relaxed but they're the, the fastest and I think there's something to be said about being able to to relax throughout a race and um, and and that giving you your best performance do you find a similar sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, and also not necessarily it, – it, while you're doing it, it might have hurt more, but you get to the wall and if you see the time and you're like, yeah, that's a huge PB and you're really excited and, like, you get that um, endorphin rush and you're just so happy, I think that sort of drowns out a lot of the pain. And when you look back and you think, oh, that didn't actually hurt as much. <laughs> but if it, if, if it had been a slower time, you might have had it. A different opinion on it. That is true. Yeah, that that rush of doing a PB is sort of is drowns out drowns it out a fair bit. But um, yeah, it, but you you can't really think about how you're feeling in terms of like if you're in a warm up. And I've had races where I've raced really well and I've felt absolutely horrible in the warm up and thinking, oh, how am I ever going to swim this? But obviously, I turn myself around and think, you know what it's going to be is going to be. And then sometimes you'll be in the warm up and you'll be hitting really good race pace and you'll be feeling really good. And then you sort of 
you'll get into the race and it, it just won't happen. And um, I think that's key, not getting caught up on on how you're feeling or feelings because um, in the end it doesn't really matter until you race. Yeah, and I think the same thing goes for, for training as well. It doesn't really matter how you're feeling in the warm-up. Uh, you can still have a really good main set and, and same thing for racing. The warm-up, it means nothing how you feel because, I mean, I'm the same. A couple of my best races I've felt pretty sluggish in the warm-up and, and then you come out and, and race really well. So, um, yeah, you can't pay attention to, to, to how you're feeling in that warm-up to, to how you're going to race. One of the... Um, one of the worst 400 IMs I did was, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but I had glandular fever and I went to race states, thought I was pretty fit and I ended up going 30 seconds slower than my PB and I was getting overtaken by these guys who I should be well ahead of. And I just, I just, I didn't know what was going on. And then I drove back to our apartment where we were staying and I was in my dad's car and I was kind of all, like, my mind wasn't quite there. My head was all groggy and I ended up running into a concrete pillar and scratching the side of his car and, uh, and just kind of, I don't know how that happened. Um, and it turns out I had glandular fever. So there was a bit of an excuse there. Um, but it just impacted my swimming so much that day. And I mean, you've gone through glandular fever as well. How did that knock you around? That was, that was actually really hard because it was, so it was 2011, October, we went to Sierra Nevada, high altitude training camp in Spain, and we had a three-week camp there, and I'd been there, and it, it was so, so hard, like the hard work, but it was really good, like set new standards and and really pushed myself, and I got sick at the end of it. I thought it was just like a, a throat infection or something. I, was, I felt quite sick, and it was probably two days before we flew out, and I flew back home and had that sort of next week like off I couldn't swim because I was sick and then I thought yeah, I'll get back into it and then I just didn't get any better and it's probably went for a few swims still feeling pretty sluggish and I went to the doctor and he's like yeah you've got did the blood test he's like yeah you've got, got glandular fever and that was I don't know it was, it was shattering for me because that was what, what six months out from 2012 Olympic trials and I'd been you know building towards there with the 400 medley done lots of good PBs and and um I was thinking that was, you know, a really good opportunity for me to try and make the team and to spend sort of two to three months out of the water and then the next two months, you know, five sessions a week only for an hour, not letting your heart rate get over 140. It was, I don't know about about you, but it drove me mad just because I wanted to be in the water and training, but in the end I had to think about the future and, you know, it was pain then but you know gain later so mm. you know it wasn't to be and but then after I got better I put some really really good work in the bank and ended up qualifying for my first team at the end of that year 2012 for, for world short course so it was a positive end of the year but it you know it was really hard mentally and physically I was you know, tired all the time but I think more more mentally and emotionally it was tougher for me because I felt like I missed an opportunity but yeah, you know, especially that, leading into 2012, with with all that work that you'd done, it was. Uh, did you was there any point where you thought, oh, this is you know, I'm, I'm going to give it away here. You know, I've done all this work, and now I've just you know, I can't. I'm obviously you know, probably not going to make the the team, um, and I've got to spend all this time out of the water. Was there any point where you thought about giving it away there, or did you? Oh, always... no. there was no, there was no, no point. I thought about giving it away. I was I was too. I'd been building and got so close, and I just. I wasn't going to, you know, 
give up just there and and not not make a team or not not get the best because I I know I still hadn't got the best out of myself so it was more for intrinsic values I um I don't know I'm quite competitive with myself I just want to get the best out of myself and if I can do that I'll be happy but I yeah I was I wasn't thinking of ever giving up I was still only 21 then so I mean I'm t- I I'm 25 now so I still think I've got a lot of improvement left so yeah absolutely and I, I think some of like the setbacks like that only make you hungry especially when you miss out on a on an opportunity where you f- feel like you've ha- you could have had a really good chance so, yeah um, definitely they just yeah they just fuel the uh, fuel the fire mm. Um, I'm just going to go through a couple of um, topics here, and I just want you to talk briefly about each of them um, and what you do, um, what you do around these. So the first one is uh, flexibility. What sort of stuff do you do on a, a daily or weekly basis um, to work on flexibility? Um, so, so well, daily basis, basis before every training, got a little prehab circuit to go through, do some internal and external shoulder rotations, and I usually do a bit, a bit on my um, middle and lower back. That's usually if I get tired, I get tired there or my shoulders. And then throughout our gym and gym program, so I have gym three times a week, which is you know heavier on the weights and quite hard circuits and probably for an hour and hour and 20. And then we have two core sessions a week, which are more just core strength and, and flexibility work. And we do, they're probably about 50 minutes each. And we do two of those a week. So it's, it's sort of, um, it's pretty full on and then just sort of, physios I need maybe every two or three weeks. I'm pretty light on the physio compared to some other athletes, but I think it's all individual and, yeah, that's what I do for my for my flexibility. And diet? Diet? My diet's pretty – it's pretty basic. I just have to make – I go and see the dietitian and I just have to ensure I'm getting enough, enough of everything in. It's sort of not um, too restrictive. I can have, you know – have some little treats every now and then, but it's sort of getting enough protein in so that I don't lose weight because I'm six foot three and a half and I'm only 80 kilos, so I'm, I'm quite slight and it's trying to build that muscle in the gym and keep it on as well when we're in heavy work in the pool. So, um, yeah, it's more about just getting obviously a balanced diet and um, I take iron and vitamin C and zinc and fish oil and they're my supplements. I just take them every take the iron every couple of days and then the other ones mostly every day and it's just sort of it's pretty basic for me. Hmm. Uh, no 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 magic beans or anything. So. <laughs> I think especially when you're training at the, the level you are and, and doing the K's that you you're doing, it's um it's just about getting getting enough fuel in to, to recover for the next session and yeah. be able to get up for that next session. And also like looking, we, we've planned out the sessions and so like a Monday morning is a red session and um, so that's like a heavy, really heavy session. So you go, I'm going to make sure I take my recovery protein, so like high carb, high protein, protein shake. But then for like also after gym sessions as well, but then for like a Tuesday morning, which is a bit a bit lighter, not as heavy, I, w- I won't take that or I'll take a, a protein only one that you d- I don't have the carbs in because I haven't had a as big a like a glycogen depletion depletion so mm. yeah it's sort of planned out you know monday morning monday arvo wednesday arvo thursday arvo saturday morning are all like pretty pretty heavy so i always make sure i have my 
my recovery for that one. Do you find you stick to a pretty similar meal plan? I mean, personally, I just for ease of just for um, I guess making things easy, I try and have almost the same thing every day. And you know, it'll change here and there, but um, in terms of preparing food and and buying food for the week, I find it really easy just to to stick to a very very similar meal plan each day. Would you find yourself doing a similar yeah. thing? <laughs> yeah, it is pretty similar, but um, I, I sort of I've changed it up a bit just in terms of like type of protein or like flavor and stuff like that. But oh, there's always the basis around I need to get this much carbs, this much protein and well, I eat a fair bit of chicken and steak. Yep. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, a pretty, pretty main staple. And cereal. I eat so much cereal. I just eat <laughs> cereal. It's a, it's a big thing for me. When, uh, yeah, when I was in school, I mean, I used to always eat wheat bix after training. And I think probably most – most kids growing up who used to eat wheat bix would have a, a wheat bix challenge. How many wheat bix can you eat uh, in in one sitting? And I think I got to I think it was twenty one, but for the rest oh, wow. of the day I, f- I did not feel good. <laughs> I can tell you that. Did you ever do anything like that? Oh, I never did. Oh, I didn't really. Like, wheat bix weren't my favourite cereal. I usually meant like just right. I was like the more grains and fruits. But I don't know. I reckon I could probably do maybe ten to twelve if I'm really hungry, but no more than that. I, that's Twenty one's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think the most I could do is probably eight at, at now. But um, just I don't know. Growing up, you just have so much of an yeah an yeah. appetite. When you're growing, you can eat you, you know, just eat truckloads. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy how much uh, teenage guy boys can uh, can eat. Um, what about in terms of mindset and, and visualization? Do you is that incorporated into your your training? Um, I don't do much visualization. I'm sort of more I don't know, more practical I think in my thinking like to, to practice that kind of thing I just focus on it when I'm in training so mm. if I'm doing paces I'm like this is the kind of pace I need to go for for a 400 or a 200 or something like that um I tend to think like when I'm away from the pool I usually just like switch off from swimming altogether so like I walk in the pool and then I'm putting all my attention into swimming for two two and a half hours but then when I leave it's that's it. I'm going to live my normal life and do some uni work and relax and and well watch other sport mostly. I, I find myself watching ESPN and Fox Sports all the time just because I I like watching that competitive thing. But if I'm away from the pool, I'm away from the pool and I'm I'm not thinking so much about swimming. Yeah, I think that's so important because I mean if the athletes who say who might go to the AIS or um, who have just swimming and there's there's nothing else. It's just you know you, you swim, you go home, you eat, sleep, and then go. You back think to, about training the next. You think yeah. about the next training session. Yeah, it's very hard to um, very hard to stay. I think motivated when when you've got that. You really need those outside things, whether it's study or part time work or like you know part time hobby or something something like that, just to uh, to take the mind off off training because it's. I mean, it, it can be daunting having, you know, you've got a big hard session coming in the afternoon and if you're thinking about that for the next five hours, that's just going to drain you before you even get there. So if you can take your mind off it with what, you know, with what watching sport or, or, or doing things outside of it, it, um, it can make such a, a difference. And, I mean, are you, are you studying at the moment? What are you sort of... Yeah, I'm, I'm studying part-time, so just two subjects. I did, actually did three subjects this semester, but usually two subjects a semester and then I'll do some other... Summer schools where I'm studying um, science education double degree. So um, 
hopefully going to teach biology and chemistry, the two, my two teaching methods. So it keeps me busy enough. And with the science, I've got practicals. I've got to go to the three hours and listen to the lectures online, which is pretty handy for being an athlete. It's like I don't have to, you know, drive all the way into uni just to listen to a lecture. I can just sit at home and watch it on my laptop. So, yeah, it's good you can, yeah. uh, can do that. I mean, time spent in the car um, to get to uni for sometimes lectures that, that aren't uh, – that may not even be sort of worth your travelling for. Yeah. It can be a bit frustrating. Mm. And I, I mean, all of mine have been at, at 8, 8 a.m. for this semester, or most of them have been at 8 a.m. this semester. So I would have to leave training early to get there, or if they're at 9 a.m., I'd have to go take all my food, get ready, go straight from training to uni and uni home. And, uh, it just wasn't worth it if I could just listen to it online and get, get just as good a... Uh, lessons. Yeah. And I, I'm sort of similar in terms of food. I mean, uh, like I'll coach in the morning and then I'll, I'll train. And then I've got the luxury of being able to go home and have breakfast and, and lunch and, and dinner uh, all at home without having to prepare food. And I find I'm able to eat a lot better that way when you can kind of have home as your base instead of having to get everything ready. Yeah. I found that when I, because I'm doing teaching, I had uh, teaching around, so I had uh, experience so I was like working full-time for a week and and going training straight to the school and then straight to training and then home and you know I was out of the out of the house for sort of 13 hours and I would have to like spend an hour the night before making sure I've got enough food (laughs) for the whole next month I'd be taking half a backpack full of food just for the day and yeah it was um yeah it definitely takes a lot of planning it's it's a lot nicer not not having to do that yeah yeah definitely um with your taper, so let's say leading into uh, Olympic trials or you know, you, one of your main meets for the for the season, how would you generally taper towards that? Um, so you, usually we're training in sort of you know, um, four-week blocks, so we'll do three weeks of like really hard work and then we'll have a, a general sort of rec- – I say recovery week. It's still, still pretty hard, but it's just sort of we might just drop a little bit of the intensity off in the main sets. Um, so sort of three weeks out, I'm different to others. Everyone has their own sort of individual – in our squad, everyone has their own individualised like sort of table plan for what events they do. And So the, the first week, say, if it's, a, if it's a set that's got I don't know, three sets of 450s pace on 70 or something like that, we might do you know, three sets of it the first week and then two sets of it the second week and then just one set of it on, the, on that last week before training. So we'll still have that fast stuff in it. The volume will just decrease. So it's still just as, inten- if, as intense, if not more intense, but just the, the volume of that hard work is, is lower, but we still have similar amount of kilometers. So um, sometimes we, it's like, so you're just sort of getting rid of that high intensity work and sort of extending out that, that sort of, um, LT1, R8, you know, sort of 140, 150, extending that out. So mm. um, you're not losing that fitness, but you're sort of freshening up on that um, on those systems. Yeah, okay. And is that something you've developed over, uh, you know, the last couple of years to to suit you or is it something that you've you sort of got your taper right pretty early on and, and that I worked th- yeah, and stuck with it? Yeah, I think Ro sort of had it. He's... <laughs> He's a pretty good coach and he's been around for a long time, so he knows what he's doing. And um, sort of early on, we got it, we got it pretty right, and then we sort of st- we've stuck to that since. So, mm. yeah. um, in, with your stroke and your technique, what are the, some of the things that you think about 
in in training? Like, what are you looking to to feel? Um, I mean, obviously, you're doing all four strokes, so it's it's going to be different between them. But um, what are some of the, the main things you think about? The main things are sort of like early early catch. So in my butterfly, um, it's all about sort of getting those hands down early and getting onto the water and getting good purchase for the butterfly. And then the, for the backstrokes, sort of just making sure my technique is not, not too bad. It's pretty good at the backstroke. So it's sort of more about holding my rates in my training. That's what I really work on, my rates for certain paces and the DPS as well, so distance straight. So if, I, if I'm going, you know, 28s, I want to be going like 29 or 30 strokes for that 50 at a certain rate mm. to relate to what my race pace is. And the breaststroke we've been really working on lately, that's sort of been my major focus because that's been my, my biggest weakness in the Fonda medley. We've been working on, again, just that early and um, early catch. So sort of like as soon as I'm coming out, I'm getting straight onto that next stroke, like hand, like thumbs down, and then just straight onto that um, early pull to keep that momentum going, keeps my hips up as well. And then freestyle pretty much all about just holding my technique if I'm if I'm fresh and I can do my technique, it's good. But then under fatigue, I tend to lose my stroke and you know my, my breathing goes out and I can't. I'm not holding the water as much. So that's pretty much what. So there's a focus for each stroke, which is just quite good. I'm not never doing anything just for doing something. So I've always got to focus. Yeah, oh, that's that's good. And I mean, it sounds like you keep it pretty simple as well. Just one or two key points for each stroke. Yeah, yeah it's important not to. If you're trying to if you're trying to fix three things or four things at once on a stroke, you you just as you do one thing, you're gonna forget the other thing. So you've got to sort of build through it. And it's it's been you know four or five years of work on on different nuances of my technique, and then it's sort of making it better and making it better and making it better. So there's yeah, and also about the freestyles, always I can do perfect technique if I'm fresh. No problem, but it's the, that under, for the 400 medley, which I'm going to be under fatigue by the time I hit the freestyle, so I have to be working that technique under fatigue. Which is, yeah, and so you practice different. that in, in training with different sets? Yeah, some sets will set up, so I have to, I'm have i doing freestyle at pace when I'm feeling a similar kind of fatigue as a 400 medley. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. And what about some of the, the key like, – what are one, one or two key sets that – that you'll do for, uh, let's say, the 400 IM? Yeah, so we have, um, we do this set on a Monday morning where we go. Uh, it's, so it's four times through the set. Hmm. And so it's 450s, uh, 450s, 50 easy and then 450 is 50 easy. No, no, sorry. It's change, it changes a fair bit. I think I've got it right. So it starts <laughs> off. <laughs> so first set it goes, um, there's like a two, four, six, eight fifties. Yeah. And there's, I think there's a hundred in between each. And then at the end there's a 400 and we do that four times. So you go the four strokes. So the first set's fly, second set's back, third set's, Breast fourth is free, right. and the last set, the four hundred, is a four hundred medley max. <laughs> yeah, so and it's and it's all at um, all at pace, all at pace. Right, and, and is that what's that on seventy seconds or so? 
for the fifties? Um, oh, we haven't done it in a while. You've really pushed my memory. I think there might be sixty. Yep. Sixty seconds, or maybe, yeah. It it I think it depends on strokes. Yeah. Yep. Well, that geez, we, that's a tough set. Yeah, it's. I used to do, finish Monday morning and I would think about the next Monday morning immediately after. <laughs> it was a really tough – we actually got it off um, Kazuki Hagino. Roy got it off his coach and, um, yeah, it's, but he does it with 400 medley after every set. It descends then one to four, but oh. we tried that and we just couldn't couldn't handle it. So it's, it's pretty tough. And then another key set is probably – um, Saturday morning, sometimes we do this thing called the Anaconda. And so it's 8.50s, 4 on 120, 1 on 110, 1 on 60, 1 on 50. So the rest comes down those last four. And I do them like the first four, like medley order, so fly back, breast free, fly back, breast free, and they're all max. Oh. And, you, and then we do, I think, 400 at LT1, which is like, Heart rate 100, 150, so I hold probably like 430 for those, and then you do that three times. Yeah, that's pretty. That's that pretty a, tough. That's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, I um, I used to always dread Monday mornings and and Saturday mornings. You'd like Sunday night, I would just like I'd you know the last two hours before bed, you're just kind of getting yourself just ready. About and, that set the yeah. next morning. And yeah, and just before you go to bed, it's like. Yeah, it's um, that's all you, all you can think about because you know you're gonna have to hurt yourself, um, and yeah, just being a Monday morning, you got the week ahead of you as well. It's uh, yeah, it's it's challenging, but I think like that sort of stuff just sets you up so well for for life. You know, you learn how yeah. to um, um, well, you just learn so many skills from from planning to being able to get to push yourself, you know, get more out of yourself, and um, and not be afraid to to work hard at things. Have you sort of found that? in other aspects of your life? Yeah, definitely. It's, it teaches you good work ethic and, and, you know, hard work. And from results and stuff, you can see the hard work pays off. And mm. I think it's key in life that, you know, if, if you work hard on things, you, you, you know, you will see improvements. And you might not see immediate improvements, but eventually you will improve. And another thing on the on the weekly structure, I'll, I'll add, um, so I have like a 400 medley set Monday morning and then Tuesday night we'll do um, fly back and Thursday night we'll do breast free and then at the end we'll do medley again. So sort of – and there's always focus sort of we go through – so Tuesday Tuesday morning will be backstroke pull and, and Wednesday arvo will be breaststroke kick and technique. And, and so it's sort of – I have to touch on every stroke being a medley swimmer. So it's – yeah, the structure of the training is pretty key. It's sort of, do we have enough sessions to fit in to work on everything in the week? It's you have to plan it out pretty well. Yeah, it sounds like it uh, makes makes it pretty interesting for you. You get to mix it up and a bit like sort of resting your legs on a certain gym day or something. It's uh, you get to work different aspects of your stroke, so you're not fatigued in the same place every single time. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, gym's been really difficult at the moment it's because we're not as not as heavy in the in the pool gym's been gym's been really hard we're doing doing, doing a lot of work on our legs and uh, pretty sore and tired yeah it's uh i think i mean to get to sort of a place where where you are now where like how many swim sessions are you doing a week we do nine swim sessions and then three gym and two core yeah, so that's I mean it's such a, a big workload and that takes that takes years to, to build towards. Um, so someone couldn't come from 
doing two swims a week to going straight to that kind of uh, yeah, <laughs> kind no, of workout. Yeah. Um, I think you'd probably get halfway through the week and you'd get sick or you'd, you just wouldn't be able to move because you'd be so sore and tired. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> two a week, yeah. And I mean, it, like even swimmers who are, who are at your sort of level, it's um, even then it's a little bit of a, a balancing act between uh, rest and, and doing the work and always sort of very close to that, that line. Um, and I mean, at the moment, you're a little bit crook as well. You got, um, got a bit of a cold. Did, was that just a bit of bad luck or do you feel like you maybe pushed yourself too hard the last I, couple I, of weeks? I definitely think I was, I was right on the edge and sort of if you, if you're training really hard and you're pushing yourself, you're going to be on that edge. And if there's any sort of virus going around, you're probably going to be susceptible to it, but it's a little bit bad luck, but it had, training has been. Um, definitely very difficult. So I think they're sort of both factors in, in getting sick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and and just lastly, where do you see your next phase of improvement coming from? What are you what are you sort of working on to to get to that um, that next little bit of improvement for your your events? I definitely think the the, the breaststroke is such a, a big area for improvement for me. I mean, we've changed a bunch of technique stuff up, and we've already seen improvements sort of. Sort of three weeks before U.S. Nationals, I was just up you know, two months ago. We sort of were working on this new breaststroke technique probably three weeks before I left and went over there and raced and I went the quickest breaststroke split in my 200 medley and the quickest breaststroke split in my 400 medley. So I definitely think that's an, that's an area for improvement. And then just holding my technique in the freestyle when I'm when I'm under under fatigue. And I think the butterfly and the backstroke are, are, are still steadily improving. And um, that backstroke sort of going sort of the same speed, but with it's maybe not as much effort to go that speed. And then mm. I can have more for that breaststroke and freestyle. But, yeah, there's definitely, um, yeah, a lot of room for improvement for me, I see, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to working at it and, and getting there. So that the new breaststroke technique, you worked on it for three weeks and then raced with that, that change and already found an improvement. Yeah, so so the, it was sort of more of a high stroke rate, just keeping on my on the on my catch, and I would hold it for sort of in the fifty, I held it for sort of thirty meters. Uh, sorry, in the two hundred meter, I held it for sort of thirty meters, and then I saw as I fatigued, I sort of went back to that technique. And similar in the hundred, it was sort of the first twenty five of each fifty in that hundred medley, I would sort of hold that technique. But then, obviously, as I was fatigued, I haven't done the work on it as much. I would, I would you know, fall back. The, the, the bit slower so yeah, yeah. So sort of I knew what I was doing but I hadn't done enough work on the conditioning of that to hold it through the whole 50 and the whole 100 yeah well that's um I mean I think it it sounds like you reflect on on your races and and your stroke a lot and is that something that you and Rowan do uh, together quite often or is it just something that you find yourself doing automatically um well if if we see there's um, like areas for improvement, we'll have a look and we'll go over. And once once you see something, it's sort of you know. If someone tells you, it's sort of like you sort of I don't know what they're they're talking about. But then once you see a, like a replay or a, a footage of it, you can see better, you can understand where they're coming from, and, and really grasp what you have to do and and what you have to change. And I think um, analysis is is pretty key. But in terms of analyzing from like heats to finals or semis to finals at nationals. I don't really do much of that because it's sort of, 
I trust him, but when we're working on technique earlier, and it's, I think it's pretty key. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, we I run a lot of freestyle clinics around the country, and for the last I don't know maybe twelve months or so, we've started doing um, video analysis at the start, and then we look at it, and then we go through different aspects of the stroke to help people make the changes that they need to 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 swim faster. And since adding the video analysis analysis, where people can actually see what they're doing wrong and what they need to change. That's when the, the light bulb goes off and it, it just makes such a difference actually seeing what you're doing because, I mean, no matter how many times your coach might say you bring your hand across your head or whatever it is, it, until you actually see it, it doesn't really quite sink in. And yeah. um, and I think the same thing goes when, when coaching. I mean, um, what I try and do is convey what I'm seeing to, to them, um, but really the, the best way to do it is to record them with the iPad if, you know, if you're at the pool and show them and, um, and then record them attempting to make that change and then show them again. And you know, sometimes they won't even change that part of the stroke, but it feels like they have. So um, having that, that feedback where you can actually see what you're doing can make such a huge difference. And it's so easy to do these days with GoPros and iPads. And you know, 10 years ago, we didn't have any of that sort of stuff and it was yeah. very difficult. <laughs> you was like to have a phone on camera. I mean, uh- camera on your phone so yeah, yeah. It, i mean everyone's got, everyone's got smartphones these days so their cameras are high enough quality just to give you that visual cue mm. i think yeah it's definitely key yeah absolutely and the same thing goes with youtube there's that much content oh, out there there's yeah. so much so much out there if, if there's any like young swimmers or anything listening to this go on youtube and there, there are just thousands of videos on there on stroke technique and you can just even just people swimming their races and you mm. can watch their race and see what they do and how they're you know the best in the world yeah just just watch like the usa swimming do a really good job of putting up uh, even like not even their nationals just like just smaller meets and they put up pretty much all the races from there they put up some good coach interviews and, and swimmer interviews and um, there's yeah there's just so much available for you to look at and i think just watching the the different races and the technique that people use and their strategy uh it, and just kind of visualizing yourself doing a, a similar sort of thing if it's similar to what you should be swimming like can can make a, a huge difference because if you haven't quite got that ideal uh that ideal uh, image of, of what you should be doing in your head uh, it can make a big difference if you kind of know what you're you're aiming for mm, yeah definitely for, uh, for anyone who wants to to keep track of what you're doing and um, and follow you on social media, where can they find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, um, just Travis Marty. So just my name and no numbers or underscores or anything. I think, oh, actually, my Twitter handle is Travis underscore Marty. So get on there. I, I'm not the biggest on social media, but I'll, I'll update every now and then and, and usually during, during race time. And if I've got competitions on, that's sort of the busiest time I'll, yeah in touch so good stuff well thanks so much for being on the podcast it's been uh, it's been really interesting hearing about your perspective on uh on your on your swimming and and some of the things that you're doing during the week and in training and um wish you all the best for uh, the next couple of months as you lead into uh olympic trials in uh, is it march or april it's in april april yeah, yeah. awesome well yeah. Uh, all the best and well, thanks again nah, no worries thanks for having me um, it was a good chat Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.